You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. Good morning. Oh, how he loves us. Love that song. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is, uh, in essence, through the passage, through the message, is just contemplate that question and and find the answers from God's word. God's word about, oh, how He loves us, drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and this morning it's on gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness so how does he love us with incredible gentleness one of the verses that come to mind when i think about the gentleness of my savior is in isaiah 42 verse 3 and it says a bruised reed i will not break i mean centuries before jesus the spirit of the lord came upon isaiah and said tell my people among other things that when he comes a bruised reed you will not break. Now, a reed, for those of you who don't know, is an aquatic plant. So these big, tall things are in edges of ponds and lakes. They're really tall. They stand up. And every once in a while, if you'll look, they're all not perfect. Sometimes there's one in my sweet wife Lindy's words. It's wonky. That's right. She was saying it with me, unrehearsed. A bruised reed you will not break. So... Picture that pond, okay? Blowing in the wind. They can handle a lot. They're standing tall. Except maybe one or two are bruised reeds. They're leaning over. They're fractured. They're broken. And they're just hanging on by a thread. The good news this morning is that Jesus sees you. And a bruised reed, he will not break, but he'll be gentle with you. So whatever your most broken, bruised place in your life, whether that's something in the past, whether that's something in your heart, whether that's something you feel anxious about in your chest right now, whatever the most broken, bruised part of you The good news is, and I believe this with all my heart, Jesus sees you. And a bruised reed, you will not break. A bruised reed, he will not break. He will not break you. Even if you're the most bruised person in the room, he especially sees you this morning. So today, through this passage, we're going to offer very good news for bruised, broken, sinful, suffering people. Because life is so messy. It's so hard. It's filled with bruised reeds. Now it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day, fathers. If you were blessed with a healthy dad who loves you, told you what you were good at, was proud of you, man, just thank God. It's a blessing. Thank you, God. But we have to be honest. And 
we have to be aware that some had very harmful, hurtful, I mean, bad dads. It's very one of the most broken parts about our culture. Just the woundedness a dad can cause. And so if you were bruised deep in your soul and your psyche and God forbid even your body, I'm sorry. But God the Father, through His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit, sees you very tenderly and says, A bruised reed I will not break. And so this morning, whether you've been bruised by dad or anyone's sin, welcome. May you find in Jesus a gentle healer this morning. For others of us, we're the sinner. We're the wounder. We're the ones that have caused bruised, bruises on others. And for those of us who sinned and hurt others, you're also welcome. And so may you find today... A gentle Savior to forgive you and cleanse you of all of your sins and even mend your conscience and bring healing. If, if you're here today, like so many of us, we just feel like we should be so much further along in our spiritual journey and we feel bruised and broken and we feel shame. Relax. Jesus is here. If you come to him with all of your bruising, he says, I'll walk with you. I am gentle and humble of heart. And if you're here today, bruised and confused about the rest of your life and the thousand options in front of you, breathe. Jesus has you right where he wants you. And he knows how to lead you step by step to life and peace and meaning. So today, I get to lead you in this wonderful passage in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or your devices, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. This great passage we've been in as a church family for a couple of months about the fruit of the Spirit. So you turn there. I just want to share three benefits I've been praying will happen in us as we experience this passage, the Jesus of this passage, the first, as I've already said, that we'll experience Jesus this morning in a way that calms and quiets our soul. Anybody need that? Yeah, yeah. Second, I, I pray that a thir- another benefit that we could experience that, that we will be able to then extend gentleness to all the people in our life, all the Bruce Reeds in our life. And third, and our highest benefit would be that Jesus would be honored. Jesus would be made famous and Jesus would be praised for, oh, how tender and gentle he has been, is, and will be with us. So hear the word of the Lord from Galatians 5. And I want to start, I want to set this whole passage in context. As you know, for he told you, the, the heart of our series has been in verses 22 and 23 particular in 23 this morning, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. But listen to this in context. Hear the word of the Lord, starting in verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you divide, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, 
walk by the Spirit. And in this passage, what the Holy Spirit through Paul is going to do is offer you two ways to live. The self-led life and the Spirit-led life. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the self-led life. Now, the Spirit-led life, the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There's two ways to live, the self-led life and the Spirit-led life. I want to walk us back through that passage using a different translation to emphasize the two offers in front of everyone here today. It's through a version called the message. That's very good. So here's the first way to live. It's the self-led life. This is our culture. This is the way we will live if we do not surrender to the Holy Spirit. So let's read, I'm going to read this for you. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. Do you want to live a self-led life? No, you don't. I know you don't. But we will. We have no hope and help unless we learn to walk by the Spirit. Now listen what Peterson says about the Spirit-led life, a much more beautiful, attractive way to live. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates 
things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Oh, Lord, help us live the Spirit-led life. Uh, from this passage today, I just want to walk you through three simple points. First, I just want to be able to introduce you afresh to the person of the Holy Spirit. Second, I want to interest you, make you curious about what your life could look like to exude gentleness to all your friends. And then third, I want you to, I want to invite you in this room this morning to experience the gentleness of Jesus himself, for he is here. Lord, help us. Come, Holy Spirit. So first, I want to introduce you afresh to the person of the Holy Spirit. For most of my life, when I read this passage, the way I would hear myself read it, says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I would think about the fruit, man, the love, the, the joy, the peace, and then the gentleness. I would hear, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. But it's like the last month I've been reading this passage, and it's like, no, the emphasis, the Spirit's like going, no, no, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit is, and here's what the Spirit's trying to produce in us and through us. And so just in a couple of minutes, I just want to point out to you that in this passage that I read five places it talks about the Holy Spirit and so if we're going to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit we should get to know this person this God he's fully God Father Son and Holy Spirit but he is a person and so we've just read a couple different versions of 522 which reveals his personality this Holy Spirit by the way lives and dwells inside every child of God he's alive and he's in us if we've transferred our trust from ourselves to Jesus. And so we might as well get to know this God who has chosen and graced us with his presence to take up residence in our life and lead us. What's he like? He's a lover. The fruit describe him. He's love and joy and peace full. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. He's so faithful to you. He's so gentle with you. The one we're looking at today and he's full of self-control. What a spirit. Second in verse 16, it talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, but I say walk by the spirit and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. One of the beautiful things, this term walk by the spirit means live your whole life according to the spirit. Paying attention to the desires and the way he nudges you and the way he illumines scripture. Live your whole life that way, which it's a very positive and encouraging thing to me because what it means is in this verse 16 is that Christianity is essentially a positive thing. We don't have to worry near as much about stop doing all the bad things because this verse says if we live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, we won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Just focus on what's beautiful and go after Him and you'll see that those other things just won't be near as much a part of your life. The third place the Spirit's mentioned is in verse 17, and I love this one. It says, the desires of the Spirit. Think about this. God himself lives in you, and he has desires. He has a will. He has a purpose, a direction. He's not just a blob. He's very intentional. He's very alive. 
Which means, among other things, he knows what he wants for you. He's trying to lead you to a very specific, particular way of being. And a particular way of relating to yourself and the world and others. He's got desires for good and desires for blessing. A fourth place in this passage that it's shown is in verse 22. I mean, verse 18, it says those who are led by the Spirit in verse 18. So we've seen the fruit of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, desires of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Which means for all the confusion in our future, we have a leader. And that leader is actively present. He's constantly available. He lives within you. He indwells you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And he's trying to lead you to a life of peace. And he knows exactly what you need. And then lastly, over in verse 25, it uses this phrase, walk by the Spirit again. But interestingly, it says, walk by the Spirit in 16, walk by the Spirit in 25. And it's really translating two different phrases. So this walk by the Spirit means to keep in step with. It's a military term. It's like very simply keep in cadence. When the Spirit says left, right, left, you go left, right, left. It's just keep pace with Him. Keep in step with the Spirit. Which implies the Spirit knows where He's going. He's got a direction for you. It's the direction of love and joy and peace. It's a life of purpose. He's got these desires. And inside you, He will prompt you and He will lead you. And He wants you to simply keep in step with Him. The beautiful thing is, He's at work in you producing these fruit. He's at work in you leading. He's at work in you trying to make known these desires that he has for you. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. So I ask myself, and maybe this will land on you as well. That is so clear, so beautiful, so enticing. Why don't I... Keep more in step with the Spirit. Why don't I walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, produce more fruit of the Spirit? Why am I so dull often to the desires of the Spirit? Why am I so confused sometimes about where the Spirit's leading me? Why can't I keep more in step with this beautiful leadership? Well, here's one reason for me. There's multiple reasons, but here's one that may apply to some of you. One reason is because his leadership is gentle he could but he chooses not to force himself on us the bible describes the holy spirit as him with a still small voice crystal clear not in hiding not a riddle to be figured out But his main way of relating to his children isn't to shout. We just need to learn to pay attention. Which brings us back to something we say here all the time. That most of us are just too busy to follow Jesus in a way that we're filled with the Spirit. In the crazy, crazy, anxious, noisy culture that we have. We have no chance unless we make space to experience his gentleness, to experience his whisper, to experience his calming, to learn to pay attention. 
Dallas Willard, most Christians are just too busy to follow Jesus. There's a lot more the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. But all that comes out of that passage. But know this again. Every child of God. Every child of God is indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And that's some of what he's up to. But he's for sure gentle. He's whispering. He's actively present with you right now. And in fact... His gaze upon your life and your heart is likely at your most broken place. That place inside you that's most bruised. A bruised reedy will not break. So just in the silence between you and the Lord as you're listening to this, He knows what to do with your most desperate places. Your most shameful places. Your most guilty places. Acts. And when he sees that again, he's going to move towards you. Not to punish you. A bruised reed he will not break. The second of these three points, I want to now interest you, if the Holy Spirit will allow me, in a life of relational gentleness. Do you want to be a gentle person? I want to interest you. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. It's what He wants to produce in you to experience from Him and then overflow into others. So just ask yourself the question, where are you not gentle? Or this question, what would it feel like to be gentle with your spouse, your kids, your friends, your co-workers? What would it be like? Just picture your family. Your family's filled with bruised and broken reeds your workplace your school your neighborhood are filled with bruised and broken reeds your dna your mc our church families filled with bruised and broken reeds we're everywhere and then within each person we've got multiple parts inside of us that are in different levels of bruising and brokenness in great need of healing right what would it be like to be gentle with all the Bruce Reeds in your life, inside you and all around you. Well, do you desire to lead with gentleness? Perhaps you're a parent or a boss. Do you want to lead with gentleness? We all want to be led with gentleness. In fact, Paul, to the most jacked up church in the New Testament, Corinthians, I mean, they were doing all signs of crazy stuff. He writes him a letter and says, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Gentleness is a mark of leadership. There are times in all of our roles that we have to correct someone or something. Do you want to correct with harshness and anger? Or do you want to correct with gentleness? Paul was teaching Timothy. He says you need to correct your opponents, Timothy, with gentleness. Why? Because God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Are you interested in a life of gentleness? Do you desire to speak with your not yet believing friends with gentleness? Or are you on top of the ladder looking down at them and you're kind of disgusted with all their sinful, stupid, evil behavior? 
Well, again, the scripture says, be gentle till you're not yet believing friends in first Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, honor Christ. The Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, the hopes in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. God who wrote his word knows that our planet is filled with people. He's our planet's filled with bruised and broken reeds over who need great tender care. Or maybe you're frustrated with another Christian brother or sister in your MCDNA or in the church or someone within your household because we constantly have give each other reason to be frustrated with each other. Do you, are you gentle with a person? And probably most of you today have already been frustrated by someone already today. Do you want to be gentle with them or do you want to write them off? Or do you want to talk behind their back? Or do you want to be rude to them, to their face? Again, do you desire to be gentle? Scripture says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. We just have to put up with one another in gentleness. We all want to be treated with gentleness. Are you interested in growing in a life of relational gentleness? Some of you may be saying, well, when do I ever get to be harsh? When do I ever get to go off on anyone? Well, I don't know. Let's see what Titus 3, 2 says. Speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Apparently, we're called to be gentle with everyone. Even ourself. I know that you're human. I know that you're creating God's image. So I know that yes. There's a lot in you that's interested in living this life of gentleness. The problem is. We can't. Until we're filled with the spirit. More specifically we Will not, not because we don't desire to, until we experience that gentleness from God, we will never be able to pass it on. So the third point this morning, I want to invite you just to receive and experience the gentleness of Jesus. Again, you will not, this is a principle, you will not be able to extend gentleness until you learn to receive gentleness from God towards you. If you've become a Christian, it says you repented of your sin. You've changed your mind about God and about yourself, that you desperately need a Savior. It was the kindness of the Lord, Romans says, that led you to repentance. It's just a truth, a principle of the way our soul works, that we cannot give away what we've not tasted. I cannot tell you how good Lindy's sourdough bread is until i've tasted it it's just words i can tell you that god loves you and he's gentle with you but if i've tasted the love of god and at my most desperate places have experienced his gentleness i can tell you more of what that gentleness is like a lot of verses prove this out one of them is ephesians 4 32 that says be not king kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as god in christ Forgave you as. Grab a hold of that word as. You're called. I mean, the gospel isn't just go out and be tenderhearted and forgiving and kind. We can't. The gospel is 
receive God's tenderheartedness, kindness, and forgiveness, then you'll know what it tastes like. Then you can give it away. The same is true of gentleness. The same is true of gentleness. It's another quote. This time, not from the Bible. From a new book, Andy Kober, Christ's Offer. Her motto is, her theory is, that we've all tried to shame ourselves, and we've all tried harder. She says, if you've tried harder and not making a whole lot of progress, try softer. And here's what she means. And again, probably the most non-biblical quote in this church. So I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard and try, okay? The most famous quote is, I mean, you can tell me. What is it? Grace is not a, not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So great effort. But I commend this morning, maybe the great effort is to make space to let God speak to you with gentleness. The work of paying compassionate attention is, in a sense, learning to steward for ourselves what God already believes about us, that we're valuable and loved. Listen, y'all all have heard this probably. God loves you. But I sit down one-on-one-on-one with pastors all the time. And these are the pastors When they're honest, they say, I don't experience near enough of the love of God that I wished. I don't feel loved. I know it in my head, but I don't experience it. That's sad. That's tragic. It doesn't have to be the case. And part of the problem is, again, we need to steward for ourselves. We need to sit with God. We need to let him convince us in the quiet spaces of our life that he's gentle. Matthew 11 says, You know, come to me. Are you weary and heavy laden? Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me, for I am gentle. If you come to him, he'll be gentle. I just want to, with the rest of our time, simply show you two pictures of Jesus from the Gospels that magnify his gentleness and to see if maybe the Spirit will apply this and allow you to receive his gentleness this morning. Now, again, I keep talking interplaying jesus and the holy spirit and and they're both god uh one of the names for the holy spirit that lives inside of you is the spirit of christ so if jesus is gentle what these two stories in the gospels that same jesus who raised jesus from the dead also lives inside of you two passages first one's matthew 23 i just want us to slow down and kind of group meditate on two simple passages that paint a picture of the gentleness of Jesus. And again, if you're a child, this is the one who is the living God in you who's trying to help you experience this kind of gentleness. First passage. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Okay, stop right there and leave that up there. Jerusalem's the city of God, the people of God sent to be the light of the world. And they did the exact opposite for why God created them. God would send them a prophet and say, turn to God. And they would stone them and kill them. And Jesus has been watching this for generation after generation after generation. So he gets, he gets on planet earth to the most vile people. It's the people who should know better. But what is his heart? Towards murderers who are killing his own prophets. He'll raise up a prophet, send it to him, and let him be stoned. 
says, Jesus says during his ministry, how often would I have gathered you? How often, this is the heart of Jesus, I had gathered you. Gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. What that says is Jesus kept trying to say, come to me, come to me, come to me. Receive my care, my love, my purpose, my forgiveness, my tenderness, my gentleness. And they were unwilling. Isn't it kind of funny almost? So we have to kind of pause and pay attention. I mean, Jesus says, hey, think of me as a mother hen, okay? With little chicks. That's kind of outside my usual meditations. But that's what we're going to do for a couple of minutes. There's lots of actually potential ways we could go. I just want to focus on two qualities of a mother hen. That perhaps will help you receive the care of God today. The first is the mother hen's constant attention to her chicks. I don't raise chickens. I don't know much about chickens, but I can read the internet. So here's what I did. So one of the things that stuck out in my research was that, so mother hen has eggs, you know, sits on the eggs, wings around the eggs. For each egg she lays, 30 times per day, per egg, she gives constant attention and turns that egg, so it gets right in the right position. Maybe it needs warming, turning. I mean, that's intricate, detailed mothering. That's constant attention, 30 times a day. And it's an egg. That implies gentleness, right? Attentive, constant gentleness. And as I was thinking about that, other scriptures just kept popping in my mind. What the Bible says about God in other places is that before you were born, he saw your unformed substance. When you're in the mother's womb, he knew you. The point is that Jesus, who's the same yesterday and today and forever, for every millisecond of your existence, before you were formed in eternity past, in the womb... As you were born, up until you got in that chair you're in right now, he's been perfectly, faithfully gentle to you. He has been constantly attentive to you. Let that soak in. Not for one second has he not seen you, paid attention to you, constantly turning you. There's so much he's probably been trying to show all of us. We've missed Listen, all of us have missed 99% of everything God's tried to show us. By His grace, we've seen what we've seen, and we want to see more. But please see this, that Jesus has been perfectly gentle with you every second of your life. And He's not going to stop. And He wants to be gentle this second, and He wants to be gentle, and He will be gentle the rest of your life. He wants to gather as a kin, gathers her brood under her wings... Are you willing? May his past gentleness lead you to experience his present gentleness today. God's looking at you. You're really under his wings in his eyes. So you don't have to shout. You just whisper to him. You can talk to him right now. He will hear you. Whatever you want to say. 
But not only is constant attention or her constant attention and God's constant attention, mother hens are fierce protectors. You want a good time. I did this last night. Uh, found tons of videos about mother hens as fierce protectors. I mean, you know, they get their, you know, their little chicks behind them once they hatch and under the wings and there's, they're at the door, you know, and, and this, this, uh, yard cat came up and it's like, you know, and ran off, uh, goats, cows. There was a ram, a big old, you know, horned ram came up and this mother hen, fierce protected, protected all of her chicks. Do you know that God, Jesus, sees himself as your fierce protector? And whether you're aware of it or not, he has been fiercely protecting you all of your life to get you in this place today so he could woo you. So you could trust him. And this fierce protection... It's never been more crystal clear than at the cross. I don't presume everyone here is a follower of Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit living in them. But you can if you want. So perhaps today he would draw you to himself by his past gentleness, his present gentleness. And what the Bible calls us to is to transfer your trust from your self-leadership to Jesus' perfect leadership. And here's why. Because on that cross, Jesus was fiercely protecting you. Because Jesus knows your bruised places. He knows you've been sinned against, but He knows your sin. He knows you deserve to be condemned for your sin. He knows you deserve the wrath of God for your sin. And He knows even more than you know how horrible His wrath will be. And that's why the gentle Jesus became meek and mild. To be the Lamb of God on a cross who came to take away the sins of the world. Who came to take away your sin. And so like his wings, he spread his wings. Had you protected. And the wrath of the Father punished him. So that you could go free. And now there's no wrath left in the Father for those in Jesus. Do you desire to transfer your trust from yourself to this lamb today for the forgiveness of your sins? You can just ask. Love this passage. Never taught this passage. Didn't particularly think I wanted to think of Jesus as my mother hen. But I do desperately need his constant attention. I do constantly need his gentleness. And I constantly need his fierce protection whether I know it or not. Friends, it's the kindness of the Lord that has gotten you here today. He wants you to repent, to get a new God, to get a kind and gentle Savior and leader. Our last picture is in Matthew 9. It's the second picture where the gentleness of Jesus is totally revealed, totally exposed, and I hope you totally will enjoy Matthew 9, verse 35 and 36. And Jesus went through all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Let you focus again. We're doing a little slowing down. My main task in this sermon was to cut out a bunch of good stuff I wanted to say so we could just slow down and soak in this passage. So Jesus went through all the cities and it said he saw. That word saw in that language is like, man, he sees with perfect perception and discernment. Right now, Jesus sees each of you with perfect discernment and perception. He perceives all of your broken places and all of your beauties. You're exposed, whether you believe it or not, to the perfect gaze of the Lord. I mean, He sees you so much more clearly than you see yourself. I mean, He sees it all. He's perfect and He has perfect X-ray 2020 vision. He sees everything you've done wrong. He sees every way you've been wronged. He sees what you're thinking. He knows your future. He knows your past. He sees that can be unnerving because if he saw us and gave us what we deserve, we're in huge, huge trouble. Yet. But. Our Savior is gentle. Because when he sees your bruised reed, he's not going to break you. Look what the passage said. This is his main method of ministry. This is what he did in every town he went to. He saw, and when he saw the brokenness and helplessness of the people, it said he felt something. What did he feel? Compassion. Friends, right now he sees, he knows Life is so hard for all of us. It is. It's not a lie. It's hard. But he sees and he moves with compassion. But he's not just like a lot of us that will see and will be moved with compassion. Unless somebody ought to do something about that. No, he sees, he's moved with compassion. And he offers real help in real time. For bruised, broken, and needy people. And so what does he do? He offers to be their shepherd. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. Shepherds are smarter than their sheep. Sheep just keep messing up, getting all sorts of trouble. Time after time. Jesus is the great shepherd. He doesn't get tired of shepherding you. He doesn't get tired of you making the same mistake a thousand times. He just wishes for your sake (laughs) that you would let him lead you to better places and better ways. One of the most famous Psalms, right? The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Can you say that? Is the Lord your shepherd, your protector, your leader, your feeder? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How What an awesome invitation that is. Someone read to me this verse, Psalm 23, 1, in the Passion Translation. I have it coming up on the screen for you. And this will be the last slide I'll show you. Here's an interpretation that's very good. The Lord is my shepherd is translated. Yahweh is my best friend and shepherd. Hebrew scholars, much smarter than I, show that that word shepherd really has that dual meaning. That God comes to you gently. 
as your best friend and your shepherd. If that's true, how good is that good news? And then the second phrase, I shall not want, they translate, well, I always have more than enough. Friends, Jesus sees you. He feels compassion. He's here. He's not going to break you. He says, come to me. And if you come to me, I want to shepherd you. And you'll be able to experience all the forgiveness, all the healing that you ask him for. And you can begin to experience this abundant life. And you realize that he is all we really need. And that he is enough. And as we come to him, I always have more than enough. That's what can calm and quiet your soul. This week is an invitation just to take gentle, patient baby steps. Jesus has been patient with you your whole life to get you here. You don't have to make a bunch of grand promises of what you're going to do in the rest of your life. But a potential invitation, if you choose to accept it, is open your Bible, create some quiet space, and for just five days, five minutes a day, for the next week, just meditate on this verse. Write it down. And you say, come to me, Jesus. Come to me as my best friend and my shepherd. Satisfy me. Psalm 9014, a Psalm of Moses said, Satisfy me in the morning with your loving kindness. It's approaching lunchtime. I love to eat. When I get hungry, I know what hunger feels like. And when I eat good food, I know what it tastes like. I also know what being satisfied feels like. The reason God gave us food to eat is to remind us of what it means and feels like to go from unsatisfied to satisfied. If you don't know if you know what being dissatisfied is, just know that a wonderful, peaceful satisfaction is available to you through the kindness and gentleness of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we offer you ourselves. Thank you that you see us as bruised reeds, but you don't break us. I thank you want the very best for us. Amen.